Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. <laughs> this is stopping terribly. What's happening, Rush Nation? It's your boys, Dogs, and Murph back at it again Monday night. Coming to you live from three separate locations. I say Lee three because Lee is back there somewhere on the south coast. Murph's just down the road from me. We're somewhere near Epsom in Surrey. That's about as close as I'm going to give you because those fanboys will be coming right after us. So we drew you in with a false title. It says fantasy review, but it's just a general 2020 season review. Wanted to get the big fish. So we put a bigger lure out there than normal. I'm only joking. (laughs) I'm only joking. Big man, how you doing, fella? I'm all good. I'm all good. It's Monday. Hang on, wait, Uh, wait, wait. Where's Murph? What have you done with him? For those watching (laughs) on video, it is still Murph, I promise you. Right, I've just um, I'm doing the Benjamin Button thing. I've decided, like, I've, I saw Brad Pitt do it and thought I could do it better. So yeah, I've just reversed <laughs> the aging process, and uh, yeah, I've stepped back into prime 2005 Murph. When I show you a picture from 2005, 2006, you'll go, oh yeah, spot on. There I don't is. age. I just get younger, just better and younger. This is what happens. So when you, it's basically like going back to when we last won a Super Bowl. Basically, <laughs> uh, I've just decided, you know, we've won a Super Bowl. Why not go back to what I look like when I want to do it? Yeah, I, look, um, I got the wife to cut the hair and I cut the beard probably a bit short, but it is still there, as you can kind of see. 
but... probably a bit short. Is that that's very short considering what you have had? It's, yeah, listen, there is an in between that, that. Yeah, but we found out today that they're not going to uh, open up hairdressers until April the twelfth at the earliest. So I just thought now I don't have to worry about it for two months. That's very true. What time is it now? Practical. What time? What time have we started this? Nearly nearly half past six. Are we expecting a huge drop-off at seven o'clock British time if you're watching the live stream because Boris is on the other channel? I don't know why. I've already leaked what they're going to say. Well, I mean, it wasn't leaked. I mean, if you watched at half past three, he said exactly what he's going to say at seven o'clock. So. Listen, Just... I, want that, I want that kind of promise and audience. I don't want to do it. I'm going to say the same stuff, but different, using different words. Yeah, we can do that with this show. So this is the smart person show, and then we can go back on at like 10... And just do it for like other people. Well, why not? I mean, double exposure. Double bubble. Boris has got the right idea. If you are from anywhere that isn't the UK and wondering what the devil is going on, the plans for national lockdown are coming out or are out, depending on when, if, and how you're listening to this. So Murph and I are just waxing lyrical about what the Prime Minister of our country has said. Yeah, We've, you, you've got to is understand. anyone still watching? Is, is, <laughs> is you've got to understand, for anyone that's not in the UK, that we've been in lockdown for quite a long time. Basically, all of 2021, we've been in lockdown. We've had two pri- previous lockdowns to that. You know, things have been shut for a very, very long time. And today is the day that the beginning of the end starts in terms of returning to life with a bit more normalcy. And this this is a day that I think everybody in the UK might still be sceptical and worried, but everyone should embrace and be happy that realistic, this plan is realistic that they've, um, that they're unveiling today that, and the hopes of by the 21st of June, which is not long after my birthday. So, you know, cheers, Boris. I mean, I would like to have brought it forward 10 days, but you know, we'll take it. Um, you know, at least that way we we're going to be able to reform some form of normal life. We'll be able to have less restrictions. We'll be able to go to the studio. Like we can actually start to resume normal life, um, and that's exciting. I know it's it's not soon, but it's also not that long. It's, I mean, three three and a bit months. It seems like a long time, four months, but it, it will go quickly. People get vaccinated in that time. Things will start to ease things will start to get better. You know, from the 17th of May, we're allowed in people's houses. I mean, that's a massive thing to for us because we've just not had that for so long. And I think it's really touching that the country are deciding to do this around my birthday. I mean, I had, you know, Live Aid when I was born. I mean, the, the world of the concert when, when I was born, not long after I was born, to celebrate my birth. I mean, there was something about the feeding of Africa that they had to sell it to the networks, whatever. But And, and now, you know, the world is going to resume not long after my birthday. So I appreciate everyone to have me in such high regard that all these things are happening around such a momentous day, such as the day of my birth. But, you know. <laughs> now I've got Boris Johnson phoning in like last week. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? If Boris Johnson jumped on this podcast, <laughs> I think we'd have to stop. I think that would literally be the pinnacle of... <laughs> Well, I mean, if he does jump on at 29 minutes before his national TV appearance, the man is doing life right, just chilling out before he goes on stage. And we turn around and he'd be like, throw a touchdown, don't throw a touchdown, throw a touchdown, <laughs> but don't throw a touchdown, but throw a touchdown, but we, don't we, throw a touchdown. We don't need Boris's fantasy advice right here. He'd he basically sure. be, he, the way I could describe that speech is Todd Gurley's accidental touchdown run last year. <laughs> <laughs> 
if there's literally like a video that you can show to actually capture that moment, it would be Todd Gurley's touchdown run. Was it Detroit? Is it against the Lions? I think yeah. it was against the Lions. Yeah. Uh, for the Falcons, I think that is it. That literally, we should just voice that over with a Boris Johnson lookalike, but and package that out. And now he's never coming on the show because he's heard that. Who, Todd Gurley or Boris? so we mentioned the rushies last week we're going to be this week obviously we flex that because of our boy brian jumping on from his car in uh, upstate new york i think it was upstate new york yeah we're moving that to next week we do now have a theme uh, for my correct in saying that if i I open the can of worms here no no you haven't um so we're going to do food awards so um Basically, what's going to work, we're going to have a guest. Um, we're all going to have some awards. So give us some nominations for food awards. Could be anything. Um, but just come up with a category that will fit three or four players in um, that's associated with food. So, for example, if we were to have, let's say, I don't know, if you think about a buffet, what's the one thing that's always left on the buffet cart that absolutely nobody eats? Oh, God. Um, rice is pretty boring. <laughs> but on its rice own. gets served, mopped up with stuff. The, the thing that always gets left, no matter what, is like the... When you go to one of those like harvester salad bar type things, the one thing that never gets touched is the carrot sticks. The carrot, like shaving carrot. It's not even carrot sticks, it's like the shaving carrot. You can have an award for that, and basically it'd be all the people that never, you know, that got left behind. Left on the pile. <laughs> left on behind. They were drafted and really shouldn't have been. Or, you know, I'm just spitballing ideas here, but you could have, like, uh, for spicy hot, you know, spicy hot food, like chilies. You can do Nando's. You know, whatever you want to do, be creative. Start adding us at Twitter. We'll pick the best ones. Um, might even get Rich to start a thread on the Twitter and, and see what we can come up with. And we'll pick the best ones and they will be our 2020 awards. And also put in your player nominations in there as well. Absolutely. So I have a couple in off the top of my head. I'm not going to ruin them now, but I think it's going to be very speculative because food is such a... Divisive. Yeah. You either yeah l- but it's your take. And that's what's great because when you're wrong, and I say when, not if... Um, because <laughs> I know what you're like. <laughs> then we get to call you out for it as well. It's brilliant. The Marmite take is going to be in there. That is for sure. You're so British. Well, I mean, it's, you either love it or you hate it. I mean, it's going to be someone what like. What about if you're uh, indifferent to Marmite? Yeah, but everyone knows the slogan is love or hate it for Marmite. You can't sell a product by having, are you indifferent to this? Please buy it. <laughs> Try and let us change your mind. Well, why not? <laughs> At least the marketing guru. Let's try it. We can do that. That's fine. We're, 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 we'll uh, do it with five yard. We're, we're not having an indifferent marketing campaign. I'm just, it's, I'm not about it. And it's not okay. happening. Fine. <laughs> Don't leave indifferent reviews. Yeah. <laughs> is it we're going to be five or oh, nothing? Um, so let's do some news. I say news. There isn't really any news. We started with Carson Wentz and ended with Carson Wentz last week. And this week we're going to start with Carson Wentz and move on very, very swiftly. And that is because Carson Wentz will not be getting the number 11 shirt from Michael Pittman Jr. He said he's just not giving it up. I think it's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's hilarious. Like, if you think about this, right, when a franchise player comes to a team, this really tells you what Michael Pittman thinks of Carson Wentz. He's he's just look, he's like nah. 
But did did Wentz choose eleven at Philadelphia? We, I presume. I don't, I don't so. know the backstory to eleven. It is what it is. Like maybe, maybe not. But he's worn that. He probably has branding marketing around it as you know. He was what the number two overall pick in the draft. So mm. yeah, mm. pretty sure yeah. it was the number two overall pick out of North Dakota State. Um, but either way, probably has branding and things all around it. Well, Michael Pittman. He's, I mean, Michael Pittman's. We're not talking about Michael Pittman as a ten-year season player here. He's a rookie. Well, he's now no longer a rookie, but he was a rookie. Um, very, very fond of his dad. By the way, he played on the uh, 2002 Super Bowl winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, shout out Michael Pittman. I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> but I just think the quarterback is the most important position in in the, in the game, whether people want to admit that or not. I mean, it's, for me, it's pretty obvious. It's a damning indictment, especially a wide receiver, because obviously the wide receiver relies on the quarterback. That is not a good way to start a relationship with your quarterback. Mm. So Very does, true. does Carson went say, well, that's fine. Let's not go throw you the ball. Well, I... Did he like them apples? <laughs> I mean, he could. I mean, he's like... I mean, at the end of the day, he could. He's, he's a decision-maker. He's the one throwing the ball. He could just cut Michael Whitman. I mean, listen, we had this last year. We had this, and I appreciate this is a very different circumstance because this is Tom Brady, but Chris Godwin was coming off a Pro Bowl year. Pro Bowl year. Proper year. And he gave up the 12. Then yeah, that's the I, I don't think... It... It's different because it's Tom Brady, but... Exactly. This is but apples to pears. This is still... not the same thing. You know, and... and Apparently, Wentz did wear 11 in college, so he's always had 11. I mean, look, I think it's one of those things. It depends how big a deal Wentz wants to make of it. But Pittman to come out publicly. So it's not even the fact that he's come out privately. He went on Good Morning Football with his dad and said he's not doing it. I mean, that is... That's next level. To one thing, to go in the locker room or to chat on the phone and say, hey, listen, I'm really attached to 11. I'm not going to give it to you. And then you can allow Carson Wentz to spin it and say, well, I've decided I'm going to take a different number and spin it however he wants to spin it. You've gone on national television and said, I'm not giving him it. Like that is, that is honestly, it shows so much. It shows such a massive lack of respect. It's definitely a baller move to go on national television with your father and, and straight up say you're not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it. less for your dad, <laughs> but you, you know, dad's a Super Bowl champ, so it's yeah. I mean, if, if it was me and my dad, it would have no relevance. But your father <laughs> is a Super Bowl champ, so and I wouldn't yeah, be so. taking eleven anyway. But it, we don't. I want to stand up for Pittman Jr. here and say like, Wentz could have approached him and just be like, "Yo, give me your number because I'm the new guy in town." But we. It, Carson Wentz doesn't seem like the kind of guy to just roll in there and steal someone's number like that. But then I could no, he's be ginger. Like gingers don't act like that towards other people. Like, I'm ginger. I can say that. Um... <laughs> if you're not watching on the video and take offence to that, go and watch the video because there's indicting proof. <laughs> I don't know. It's quite dark today. I don't know. But yeah, no, it's yeah. No, at the end of the day, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny that he went on national television and shut that down. I think it's great. I mean, Chris Godwin made a joke of it. Like that's, I guess that's the kind of different level. Like Chris Godwin said, "No, I'm not really giving you." And I said, "Yeah, of course I'm giving him 12. Like, let's not be silly about it." Unless this is a huge PR ploy for the the Colts to generate some real steam about their new quarterback, because Pittman Junior is holding his shirt, and then two months down the line, we see Wentz in the number eleven shirt, and something. I mean, that's a long game to be playing. Well, <laughs> you, you sign a young franchise QB, you know. 
Long games. Now, are... now I tell you what would be hilarious is what if he's going to take Luck's number? Well, well there's. <laughs> well, no, because he can't. Because isn't Luck still on the? Yeah, but he doesn't get a because he's not officially on the active roster. He doesn't get a number. Well, that that would be. If he doesn't get, I mean that, that that is really. If you're going to hammer home the unpopularity, take Lux's number and see how that gets on. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be great. Did did they retire 18 when Peyton Manning left? Probably. Lee's nodding back there. Pretty sure they did. I'm pretty. Yeah, I'd be pretty sure that they they did. If they didn't, that would be a move to take. Um, moving on to a, another quarterback who. Cam Newton, he said that there aren't 32 players in the league at the position that are better than him. Um, I mean, he's right. There's more. There's more? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> what, what happens? Do we see Cam in New England this, next year? or what? I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think that's what happens. Because I don't think, I don't think Belichick's going to want to roll out there with a rookie. And I don't think, unless he's getting the it's- rookie... I just don't. I, unless he's getting, if he gets Trevor Lawrence, that's a different story. I just well, can't if he, see. If he gets Trevor Lawrence, then people are missing a huge jump in the draft right here, and no well, one's talking yeah, exactly. about it. Exactly, that's what I mean. I just can't. I can't see. I can't see Bill rolling with a rookie. You got to remember. I can't. I don't think Bill Belichick has ever rolled with a rookie. Maybe he did in Cleveland. Didn't he? Didn't with the Jets, and he never has done with the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, he's never really been around the area drafting that the rookie, the good rookie quarterbacks no. have fallen and, to. And so. Yeah, Tom Brady for twenty years, but at the same token, like he's not. When you think of all the great things Bill Belichick has done, developing quarterbacks isn't something that you would put on his resume, rightly or wrongly. Um, I just don't see them rolling with a QB, and then you're just thinking of the market with everything going on. Cam knows the system. I just think, I just see it. I just see him rolling out another year with Cam Newton. Do I think it's the right thing to do? No. Can I see the logic in it? Sure. It sounds very boring. It does, but they'll be better. They'll be better in. T- <laughs> oh God, Lee's just put in the chat. What about Fitz? Um, It'd be cheaper. I mean, I, it wouldn't be cheaper. Cam's going to want next to nothing. Fitz isn't going to want anything. No, that's true. And to be fair, New England is the only stop in the in the uh, AFC East he's not played for. So that he can complete the set. I mean, uh, does he get to start putting hotels on the clubs and things like that? Is that what happens <laughs> in NFL Monopoly? I don't know. Or, or if you play for all four, do you then go for the fifth Infinity Stone of the Super Bowl and get like the, <laughs> the, the Thanos glove? Do you, do you realize they can't put Fitz in the in, in the Hall of Fame because he's played for too many teams that they're just on the bust that they would have to make for him. They wouldn't be enough space for all the teams he's played for. That's maybe the only reason he's not getting in. Maybe they'd have one of those little like paper rollout scroll things where you pull the tab and it comes out with the whole team. Fun fact though, um, Fitz's Buccaneers jersey does hang in the Hall of Fame museum. Well, the, the, I don't know. I remember he's the only QB in history to throw for three consecutive 400-yard games, which yes. someone will do at some point. But he was the first to do it. Will you say someone will? Do you think someone will? That's just, yeah. It's a lot of yards. This is a passing league. It's it's going to happen again. Mahomes will do it at some point. Well, I mean, 
Ennis, he's a stay-at-home dad now. I mean, congratulations, Patrick. Oh, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Did you, see the, did you see the pregnancy shoot photos? That was... I, I, I don't dial into that. Well, no. No, it just I scrolled past it on social. It was um, very drapey, shall we say. There was a I mean, lot that of curtain. Bring a new definition to the word doom scrolling, but yeah. Well, I, I can't help it if ESPN post it. <laughs> you know, it's just. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, well, congratulations anyway, the Mahomes guys. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely better than winning a Super Bowl being a dad. At least that is what he will be telling himself. Well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he has won a Super Bowl as well, so he's got he that has. to fall back on. But... He's also lost one. Yeah, which again in itself is quite an achievement to even get oh, to yeah. two. And there's plenty of Absolutely. players who have never been there, so being but... a dad will will be definitely top of their list. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and then something's happened in Pittsburgh about cap savings. <laughs> blah blah blah. We'll move. On. No. Cam Hayward restructured his contract and the Steelers are freeing up about $7 million this year because they're in a bit of cap situation and they are restructuring contracts to basically free up cap room so that they can draft and bring more players in. The big question is still big Ben Roethlisberger, who is going to be the highest uh, QB paid in 2021 at the rate is to the tune of nearly $42 million. $42 million. If we structured his deal and the way it's all worked out, I mean, the the easiest thing they could do, you know, people are sitting here going, is this the end of Big Ben because of the cap number? But they're going to have to pay him $23 million if they get him off the roster. So there's a $19 million saving, give or take. Right, I'm rounding here. Before someone says it's 18.7 million or whatever it is, like I'm rounding here. The easiest thing to do would be to put uh, Ben Roethlisberger on a three-year deal and basically just say to him, you've got one, maybe two years left and you basically pay him the minimum this year. And then you restructure a lot of the money as a signing bonus. And then you stagger that over three years. That way he gets money regardless. It's all guaranteed. He's not going to have to worry about it. It just depends when he gets the money, but you know, he's not going to get it all this year anyway. And it, it makes the franchise, it makes the Steelers easier to cut him maybe after two years. Cause I don't see big Ben playing in three years time. No, not, so not I can see him playing this year, going all in trying to win it again this year. And then I can see them handing the torch over to someone next year. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Right. Today's show. We are unlike the title. If you're watching on the live stream it says it's not a fantasy review that is coming. Had a, a slight issue behind the glass, but you know, we're all human. We make mistakes. Lee, don't let it happen again. Lee never makes mistakes, so it's like the <laughs> first time ever. So we're, we're allowing it. We tried to change it and we couldn't. So it is what it is. Yeah. So there is no fantasy review. It is just a 2020 season in review show. We're going to go through our favorite points from each bit of the season, I suppose. So free agency, off season, draft highlights, that sort of thing. Murph. Would you like to go first or second on the first segment, which is free agency? What was your highlights of free agency? Um, I mean, mine mine's pretty obvious. Yep, um, so uh, we'll just talk about Phil Rivers and then we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, listen, I'm a quarterbacks guy and there were obviously two big moves, um, which was Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers and the other team that was in that was the Colts. So Phil Rivers obviously left uh, L.A., and then has signed for the Colts for a year. He's now subsequently retired. Um, 
I mean, listen, I think there was when you think about free agency and you think about the moves that make significant changes to franchises, both these guys were probably the biggest difference makers in free agency last year. We saw what Tom Brady did. I mean, and I'm not going to go through it all again, but in terms of his leadership and quality and what he delivered, that might be the best free agency signing of all time. I don't, I can't think of any any signing where a player has walked into a franchise and turned them from a losing team who have lost for consecutive years to drive them to a title. So it, for me, I mean, and I'm biased, so I get that. And if you have better ones, put them in the chat tweet us whatever because i'd love to hear him but for me i think he's the best free agency signing of all time um regardless of what happens next year and philip rivers was a great one you've got to remember the colts didn't make the playoffs with Brissett. you know they 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 got stuck with the andrew luck retirement so late i mean we're talking about it was during the preseason period like they didn't have time to really react test the market and go get someone so they rolled with Brissett. they paid him a two-year contract because they were kind of snookered into doing it um, because it's like, well, if he works out good, we need to get him under contract for next year. And if he doesn't work out well, we've not paid him silly money to, mm. to get, I mean, it was smart. It was smart management to give him the two-year deal by Chris Ballard. Didn't quite pan out. I thought it right, but it didn't. And then you go and get, and then Rivers took them to the playoffs. I mean, it was a big one. And it was nice to see Rivers back in the playoffs again. It's been a long time. It was a nice way for him. I know he didn't win it, but it was nice for him to end his career in the playoffs with a playoff team. And he had a good year. He didn't have an amazing year. He didn't have a bad year. He had a good year. It was, you know, not groundbreaking, but I thought he played pretty well. It was a good final season. It was a nice way to to go out. Um, so I thought for me, they were the two biggest. I know you've got one on here that I also agree would be right up there but I just think the two quarterbacks were too big and the impacts that they had was tremendous if my memory serves correct obviously Rivers moved from LA to the Colts before Brady picked a side and there was a moment where no because well I thought there was talk of Brady going to the Chargers at some point very briefly at the start of when it he was started with the Chargers and then yeah um I mean Rivers left the Colts uh, he left the he left the Chargers but yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I meant. There was oh, yeah. a, there was this opening in both, but the Tampa Bay and that's Los right. Angeles. Yeah, that and was correct. We we could be looking at this very differently if Brady was at the Chargers. That I mean, it would have just opened up so many different things. It would have been a completely different universe we were living in right there. And it it could have been, but I also look at that for for LA and they drafted a great quarterback in Justin Herbert. Who yeah, was that's the what I mean. I mean, I mean, it works. So listen, I I think you know. They had a bad end to the. I mean, they had a great end to the season. Um, terrible start to the season, but I think they've rattled off five wins in a row at the end. Six wins in a row. I mean, they were great in the, in the, the final stretch. I, Herbert was terrific, yeah. and they've got the franchise there. Um, and I don't think losing Anthony Lynn is a bad thing. He listen, wonderful guy, good football coach. Have no issue or problem with Anthony Lynn. I don't think he's a bad coach. I don't think he was particularly bad in in LA but they lost they always lost the close games and you need to get somebody in who's going to build a culture around these guys because the talent was too good for the results they were getting and that was ultimately it and now you've got the quarterback I think LA are in a better position not having Tom Brady yes they might have had some real short-term success 
I don't know how much short-term success. I still think there were a few holes in that roster. I don't think they're going to, they were going to win the Super Bowl with Brady. So I think it's a good win-win. I think it worked out for both sides. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. I mean, it would have been an interesting story to see how that one would have played out and what would have happened. I mean, I'll be honest with you, if that would have played out the way it did, I reckon Jameis would have stayed in Tampa. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and that would have been, who knows how that story would have worked its way out. <laughs> well, it wouldn't have ended with the Bucks being Super Bowl champions. Very year. true. <laughs> very, very true. So my, my free agency highlight was, uh, I tried to base this around fantasy for me, and it was nuked to Arizona of what that did for him and just how cheap they got him for a second round and David Johnson. I mean, it's basically free at that cost. And then how we started the season at Arizona with Kyler Murray in the second year of his contract was just phenomenal. And then obviously Kyler got injured and Nuke took a little bit of a hit, but still finished pretty high in the wide receiver rankings. And it was just absolutely blockbuster for a ridiculously low cut price. I still don't understand now how it was that. I mean, it was just (laughs) like we're sitting in a world where we're, you know, Matt Stafford, injured, crocked, all right, good player, not, not knocking him, went for Jared Goff and two first-round picks. And Nick okay. Hopkins, who's one of the best wide receivers, don't forget he was a 99 on Madden like two years ago, which supposedly means something. I don't I don't know what that means. I hear it's good, like a five-star rating out of college good, apparently. But um, <laughs> I just think, well... A second round pick and an injured running back is just uh, a ludicrous. And if you think what Stefan Diggs, and I think that's another one that should be talked about in free agency, was that trade to, I mean, we, we put free agency, but trades obviously occurred. And, you know, they, they gave up the Bills, their left arm effectively for Stefan Diggs, but it worked out. Like they paid a lot for Stefan Diggs. But he was exceptional. Like mm-hmm. he justified what he was traded for, and it, it said to it said to Stefan Diggs, like we value you because he never felt valued in Minnesota. Yeah, and he said you're going to be the guy. This is what we've given up for you, and he played the best football of his career. Mm-hmm. And sometimes paying that little bit extra motivates the player. Sometimes it shrinks them completely, but sometimes it really motivates the player. And you could tell Stefan Diggs was like, I'm making this my home. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make this my home. I'm going to make this whatever it is. And he threw everything in it. And that, again, you're talking about a trade that really worked for both sides. Diggs goes and beats a superstar. And, you know, he takes the bills to have been a, a shot of the, um, I mean, they made the AFC title game. Like that's a phenomenal thing for the Buffalo bills. Like they were one game from the Super Bowl, yep. And yet on the flip side, the Vikings get Justin Jefferson and they get a load of players and start filling some holes in their roster. And they didn't see the immediate impact of that, but they didn't miss Stefan Dix this year. And they got some really good players with those picks to really start to cement some of those holes. Mm-hmm. Before we get to the draft, you've got one other off-season highlight, and that was the new CBA passing by 60 votes and then in tow of that player power. Yeah, I mean, look, anytime there there was real uncertainty whether the CBA was going to be signed. And for those of you that aren't au fair with that, you know, it's the collective bargaining agreement gets done every 10 years. It's basically the agreement in which the players play on. 
So it's the negotiation of salary cap and uh, what rookie compensation is and free agency and pensions and all the other benefits they pay into. And then the share of revenue share between the owners and the players. And there's a lot of different complicated things. It's a massively complicated document. It passed by 60 votes. It was razor thin. You think of all the players in the NFL passed by 60 votes. And there was a lot of people that spoke out about this deal. Aaron Rodgers was one. Um, it was quite a few players that weren't really for this because the way it was is sort of capped the way that top earners would earn, especially in like the playoffs and um, a few other sort of revenue driven incentives. And it went more towards the bottom end of players who uh, saw an increase in the salary minimum and all those sorts of things. So for it was a good deal for 60, 70% of the league. And it was a bad deal for the very, very top earners because it kind of capped what they could get. But listen, it passed, it passed with 60 votes. And it meant that there's no labor strike now for the you know for the next ten years. You know, it meant football could be played. We all kind of moved on because it was very dicey whether or not we were going to get a deal. People forget how close it was to the deadline and potential walkout and and strikes and all those sorts of things. So I put it in there because it, it it's one of those things when it happens and it happens in in that sort of even years. So the next one will be 2030. That it's a bit hairy if it doesn't get done. So I'm glad it was because it meant we don't have to worry about it for 10 years. Um, and player power is bigger now than ever. Um, the You think about the way that Colin Kaepernick was treated when he took the knee, and I'm not going to sit here and take a stance whether he was right or wrong to do that and and the implications of all of that. But just, you know, you've got to remember that when Colin Kaepernick did that, he was hung out to dry. Um, never played in the NFL again. I don't think it's entirely the protest. Maybe I'm naive. I'm willing to admit that I probably am naive on that, but I don't think he was a starting caliber quarterback for me in the NFL, especially at the end. Like he was a bit of a joke at the very end of his, of his time in the NFL, but I don't know how seriously he was taking it and how much of the effect, everything that was going on. But what the players did is they, you know, in, in light of the race riots and, and, what was going on, the, the George Floyd um, incidents and, uh, and and terrible perpetrations that occurred. And we, we've spoken about this previously. The players all stood up and they started making videos and they managed to get the NFL to admit that they handled the Colin Kaepernick situation poorly and incorrectly and effectively got them to apologize, which that's a massive thing. Mm. And now what you're seeing here and where this is going Influential players in the National Football League are going to have more of a say, and they're going to start challenging the owners. And you're seeing it this season. Tom Brady rocks to Tampa. He gets a massive say in the organization about who they sign. He got the final word on who they signed. Do you want Antonio Brown? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, we'll sign him. Do you want Leonard Fournette? Do you want Gronk? Because we'll make it happen, but only if you want it. If you don't want it, we won't do it. You know, he got a final say in coaching, leadership, all those sorts of things. And now you're seeing Deshaun Watson upset that he doesn't have that say. You're seeing Russell Wilson upset that he doesn't have that say. Because people look at what Tom Brady done and thought, that's kind of cool. That's cool. I get to choose who I want to play with. Now, listen, at the end of the day, Tom Brady's earned that right. I don't think anyone else has. But 
at the same token, these players are going to want more of a say in ownership structures and who is getting hired and who is going to be responsible for their careers. And you're going to see this over the next few years. They're going to really push and push and push these boundaries. And they're going to keep winning because they're the ones that make the money. They are going to get what they want. Whether they get it now, whether they get it two years from now, they will get what they want. Was the, the Sean Watson is the real test now. Because if he if he does what he says he's going to do and he's going to hold out and he's not going to play for the Texans ever again, and he doesn't get traded, that's going to be a really interesting scenario to see who bulks first, the Sean mm-hmm. Watson or the, the Houston Texans. Because if the Texans fold, I tell you now, the other 31 owners will be scared because he's got an ironclad contract. I'm not talking about a guy who's in the last year of his deal. He sits out. He's earning, you know, a few million here or there. We're talking about a franchise player. We've never seen this before. It's such a massive thing. But yeah, I think player power is here. And it's that statement to get the NFL to admit. And Roger Goodell personally, not even just the organization. They got the commissioner of the National Football League to go on television and apologize and admit they handled it poorly. That is a massive statement that these players now, it's going to become, if you're not familiar with the, with the NBA, player power is everything in the NBA. And the NFL is trending that way. Whether it does it now, five years from now, players are going to rule the league. Yeah. If, and I think that was a massive thing for me. Yeah, I uh, uh, agree. If, if you were a fan of the show and you've been listening for a little while, you know that Murph's Cliff Kingsbury take from the draft was, well, I mean, it wasn't just Murph's, it was pretty much everybody noticed just how nice Cliff Kingsbury's house was during the draft process. I mean, the draft was very different this year, being virtual over Zoom, and we all said that the NFL handled it really well. Personally, I know for me it was good because it meant during the first lockdown, I think, or maybe the 19th, I can't remember now, but we got to stay at home and watch it, and you saw it more in depth. What, what highlights for you, Murph, came out of the draft? I mean, I loved it. I actually thought that we should do this every couple of years. Not every year, because I like the idea of a big city, big event. But I think every couple of years, we should bring it at home. Because I just love, there was so, I have so many highlights. I mean, so many. It, it was a personal treasure trove of highlights. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury's house, brilliant. I want to know who, which mafia boss he's working for and how much they're paying. Because as a, he was like a second year head coach. And you're sitting there thinking like, dang. He's, I mean, he, he is like, he has got the house. I mean, if you've not seen it, go Google it. I've got hundreds of images. I still keep them because it's just the most unbelievable house. Then you've got... <laughs> the best Zoom background ever. Oh, it really is. I had it for a Zoom background for ages. And then you have Zach Taylor with the Bengals sitting behind some renter desk, looking like he works in a, in a really poor call center, where he's been isolated by himself on like a, a desk that he bought from Ikea. Like, it's just the levels of the fact those two guys have the same tenure. One, he's in this big, massive mansion. He's just sitting there with his feet up, just rocking it, having a great time with a glass of whiskey or whatever he had. And he got Zach Taylor with a suit with his headset, and he's all, like, suited up and, like, Mr. Two, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. Oh, it's great. I mean, Bill Belichick's dog, Nike, when it went to the it, it went to the house, he's there in front of the laptop, and it's got Bill Belichick. And it's like it was the perfect timing and motion of it. Mike Rabel having the cardboard cut out of himself. That was brilliant. <laughs> I, I just think, and he's posing with his two sons. I thought that was incredible. Um, Bill O'Brien Matt. having a massive rant because a trade fell through and they caught that moment on air. <laughs> that was hilarious. I mean, like, so many. Roger's sweet jar, and he's just his little, like, by day three, he was so exhausted from doing this that he sort of slumped in his chair. <laughs> 
We were the 234th pick in the NFL draft. Maybe. The Kansas City Chiefs select some no-name out of some Division Two school. And he's like, oh. he was like, oh, damn, at the end of it. I really thought that they were going to have to put an IV in him. Because like, <laughs> the only thing that was crap, the only thing that was really bad about the whole draft. Oh, let's not forget C.D. Lamb with his phone. Mm-hmm. His girlfriend took his phone and he snatched it right back. I mean, there were so many great moments. I mean, it was it was a highlight reel of just everything I've ever wanted. Um, players that were really disappointed with where they landed up and they couldn't hide their disappointment like an Oscars award show. But mm-hmm. the one thing that was bad was the booing. I mean, that was crap. Like, they, they've pre-recorded the boos to yeah, Roger unneeded. and he was trying to... And, like, listen, fair play to him. He, he embraced it and... He's like, yeah, come on, guys, come yeah. on. I was just like, you're doing it. You're turning up, sound engineer. <laughs> yeah. No, but the rest of it was, was brilliant. I thought, um, I thought they did a fantastic job. Really, oh, yeah. really, really good. And yeah. I, 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 like I said, I'd advocate for that. Every couple of years, do it at home. I would be brilliant. I think it, we also miss, you miss Matt Patricia just chilling at his kitchen table with his sons. Um, oh, yeah, they were doing some painting all the time. <laughs> I also realised, I was like, wow, Patricia lives in a house like I do. Like, it's just like, <laughs> he didn't even bother to clear it up. <laughs> and then you got John Elway with about some sort of huge trophy cabinet with the uh, Lombardis. And, my, and um, oh, God, who, um, who lived in, who was in the hunting lodge? Um, oh, my, Mike my... Zimmer. He was he had, he had the Vikings. He had like this massive like hunting lodge that he was in. Yes. I was like, oh, he's rented a hunting lodge for the draft. I love it. With like the big deer head that was over the fireplace. I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> I mean, it really showed off. Like Bill, the thing the things that shot me was Bill Belichick. I mean, he's won six Super Bowls. He's been New England Patriots. Um, you know, coach for like twenty years. And you think I must live in quite a nice house. And you look at it, and you think. Yeah, that just looks like a normal house. It, it, but, it's like he lives you, you like a normal been... house in a normal neighborhood, and he probably pays like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for that house. Yeah, but he's he's been rich for so long now that he's just back to normal. He's done all the stuff at the beginning, and then he's just thought, you know what, my old neighborhood where all my friends were was much nicer than this huge house yeah, I've got. Maybe. I... This is I mean, my draft explained... house. This is my draft house. <laughs> I mean, it was just so ordinary. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Uh, it was great. I thought the insight into it, uh, you know, Sean McVay's house was pretty cool. Um, classic surfboard in the background, standard McVay. Um, yeah, I, it was cool. I just yeah. thought it was it was great. And, I'd, you know, if that's how they got a draft this year, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think the one thing I you haven't mentioned that I liked was seeing the players in their homes with their families because we, we see them, especially day one, that they're at the tables or wherever they are when it's all glitz and glamour and, you know, walking up to the stage or they were going to be boated up to the stage, whereas this year it was in the house with their families, like we were watching with our families and it was very close and it was almost as if not my phone would have rung and someone was going to offer me a, a but that could almost have happened with the way it was set up. And I really liked that. It was a really in, it was a personal look into their reaction at draft day. Cause even if they are nervous and stuff at home, you're going to be a much different person than you are sat at a table. So the, yeah, only, one who, I, the only one who wouldn't been any different was Joe Burrow. Cause he knew what was happening and he knew where he was going straight away, almost as soon as he declared. So I thought it was great. I loved it with Tua with his family and he was all dressed up in the, in his like native dress and everything. Mm-hmm. There was some really cool moments um, 
from players that were picked. Uh, loved Tristan Wurst when he got drafted and he was celebrating with his mom. And there were just so many great moments. I just thought, it was, do you know what it did? It really personalized the meaning uh, of getting drafted. Even those guys in like the sixth and seventh round, like watching those guys get, because those guys get no love. Like that, you don't get to see them where on draft day. Yeah, a picture comes up, you watch their videos, and then like there were some of these guys who were just so happy when they got drafted. It was it was mm. fantastic to see. I just thought it was it was brilliant. Um, and again, if it has to happen like that this year, I'm all for it. Yeah, like I, I'll tune in and I'll rewatch because the thing is, you can rewatch them because you might miss the reactions at the time and go back and rewatch it. I don't care. I mean, like the only draft highlights I can think of over the last few years. Christian Wilkins almost knocking over the commissioner. I mean, that was classic. I mean, brilliant. That might be one of my all-time favorite draft moments where he's like jumping into him. Um, David Akers um, having a go at the Dallas crowd in Dallas. (laughs) And he's like, the NFC East champions, the NFC champions, the world champion. And he just had a massive rant. That was great. Um, uh, when the Jets sent somebody out who used to play for them who couldn't spell Jets, that J-E-T-T was great. J E T T or whatever it was. No, J E T E Jets, Jets, Jets. I was like, that's not how it goes. Here, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there is there's been some good highlights, but there were more highlights in that one draft than there has been in the previous twenty years combined. Yeah, and I think I think that the reason perhaps maybe there was is because there was so many more cameras. You yeah. think normally it's just at the draft and there's the occasional flick away, whereas this was new camera, different house, new place, different house, new player, 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 player. And it was Do you just... know what? I'm going to go back and rewatch it. Because <laughs> I, I enjoyed it that much. I'm genuinely serious. I'm going to go on Game Pass. I'm okay. going to go download them and I'm just going to go back and rewatch it because I reckon I'll get so much more out of it now. Do you, you forgot Gruden and his 40 yard time board oh, and he was oh like God, the fastest guy left, I mean. Henry Ruggs. I'm like, here's how we're going to draft people. We're going to write their 40. <laughs> There was so many great takes. I mean, it was brilliant. Um, well, that's it. I'm rewatching the draft. That's me done for the next three weeks. Cheers. <laughs> this is why I love these season reviews. You just think of all these things that you've missed. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then when you think of something, the other person, when you talk about stuff that I don't remember, and you're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, that actually happened. So let, let's move on to Hard Knocks and All or Nothing. This is the first year I haven't seen them. I, I don't even know why. I can't sit here and tell you why I haven't seen them. I think it was perhaps because it was the Rams and the Chargers and it was COVID and it wasn't going to be the same. I just thought, and actually for me, all or nothing peaked at number one with the Arizona Cardinals. That for me was the best series. And it's I just... Agree, I agree with you, but I do feel some of the other ones were good. I thought um, I thought the Cowboys was good. I controversial, but I actually thought that was quite good, the whole like the insider thing to what was going on with Zeke. I thought that was interesting yeah. and how it all fell at the end. I thought the Rams was good because Jeff Fisher gets fired and to watch the reaction of how that happens. And then, you know, having bones come in as a special team coordinator and then watching um, McVay get hired in the draft and all that sort of stuff. Cause they tacked a bit on at the end. Cause they realized they almost needed of... one more episode on that series to really show what McVay was the beginning of McVay really. Yeah, I I I thought the first three were great. I thought Carolina was it was too much Cam. I get Cam was the franchise, but he left a year later anyway. Mm. It was too much Cam. It wasn't enough about the other guys on that team, and that, and that was my issue with it. Although it was quite cool to see Vernon Kay and a few of the Brits in it, and they did a little bit on FA Obada, and that was quite cool. Um, I thought the Eagles one was just a bit lame. Yeah, I just kind of I watched it, and I was just a bit like meh. It's all about talk radio. 
And it, I get it because the fans are like, no, oh, they got really diehard fans. Like, I mm. get it. So do every other team. Um, I just didn't really get enamored with it. I don't think it painted the organization in a great light. I don't think it really taught me anything about the Eagles I didn't already know. <laughs> like, I like I like having, like, like you didn't see a lot of the owner. At least with Carolina, they did bits with Tepper. They did bits with ownership. And, yeah. and like, when they signed um, Eric Reed and stuff like that, like, that was quite cool when they did that. There were bits of the Carolina bit that was quite good. There's absolutely nothing of the Eagles. Like, they, they went to a school and did a charity day. Yeah, okay, fine. Wait, hang on, um, we've got Brian on the phone again. No, Brian, you cannot come on this week. You're going to be doing it too often. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> I just I just felt the Eagles or nothing was just, it was just didn't really have a lot of yeah, substance. And, and as for hard knocks, this was the worst hard knocks. It was terrible because at a time where we're all so up to our eyeballs in COVID, what's going on, how it's affecting us, it was too much COVID. I wanted mm. to watch that and get away. And I get COVID's a massive thing. Like, I get it. We're all living in it. We know how big it is. We know how much impact it's going to have on the organization. But it was literally all COVID. Oh, we're going to watch eight players have a COVID test. <laughs> Ooh, I don't need to see it. It's not, that's not good television. And I get it's hard. They must have been really struggling for content because they didn't have all the tackling practices. They were trying to create storylines. It wasn't quite there. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, like, pretending to like, think that he's trained his dog to do something miraculous when he hasn't. I mean, Jared Goff putting in his backyard. Like, it was just like, this is, this is it? Really? <laughs> you got Jared Goff, got, he's built a crazy golf course in his house. That's kind of like the best bit. Sean McVay's trying to get his dog to do a, a bloody slam dunk with a basketball. Like, it's just like in a pool. You know, yeah. like, and he doesn't do it. That's the worst thing. And he takes his T-shirt off. And then like, I just thought... And then as for the Chargers, I couldn't tell you anything about all on, uh, hard knocks at the Chargers that was interesting to watch. Oh, someone's having a hold-in. Great. Oh, they signed the contract. Surprise. Justin Herbert. Oh, he's a bit rusty at first. Oh, look, he's starting to get better. Oh, Tyra's got that team. The only thing about hard knocks was when the Chargers um, didn't practice because of the Brianna Taylor stuff. That was probably the only interesting bit where they didn't walk out to practice mm. and to see how that reacted and the players' reaction to that. Other than that, it was dull. I was just bored. And if if you haven't seen it, just don't. There's nothing. Well, I was going to say, unlike the draft, Murph, where you're going to go back and rewatch it, I, your uh, damning indictment of hard knocks and all or nothing this season have meant that I probably will definitely not watch it now. I mean, go and watch all or nothing. All or nothing has something to it. It's just not. It's not a great series, but it's watchable. I wouldn't even say hard knocks was watchable. I think I'm, I'm just sorry, going to wait for the um, Tampa Bay all or nothing this year because wow, that would be the team to do it right. Imagine how good that would be. That would, Bruce, that would be the that, season to end all seasons if you all or nothing because you follow Tom Brady to Tampa. You've got Bruce. They pick up Gronk, who's a personality in himself. You've got Devin White and Winfield Jr., who's obviously a guy from what we saw in the Super Bowl. And then they win the Super Bowl. It's not as if the Cardinals got so close in the season one but didn't make it and then... Obviously, we know what happened after that, but this would be naught to a hundred episode one, and it would just keep going all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you'd probably need like twelve episodes minimum. I know you normally do eight, but I think it wouldn't be enough. I think you'd need more episodes. There'd be so much content in there. 
Yeah, I think they could probably stretch it as well if they started with an eight episode and they got you know four or five in and thought, well, this is going pretty well. And then you get to the postseason, we could stretch another one out of this. And I mean, they could do an episode on the the celebrations after. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. With the boat throwing the Lombardi, great. It's so it's much fun there. Respectful, Mister <laughs> Brady. Um, okay, let's do some regular season highlights. What was your best game, Murph? At ours are a week apart and it involves the same team so yeah you start. I, I mean i've got i've got two because i actually couldn't split them one as a just a storyline and then one as just an incredible watch so the first one was the cowboys miraculous comeback over the falcons just that whole madness of the fourth quarter the 16 point lead the uh the onside kick being muffed everything that went wrong with that was just unbelievable it's something i never thought i'd ever see and then the week after the browns versus the cowboys game which was just I forgot how good that game was. It's got like three of the five best touchdowns of the season in that one game. I mean, just incredible. I mean, if you're a defensive purist, it's not one for you. But if you <laughs> just love offense, like on supercharged, it is for you. It's a great one. If you've got Game Pass, go and watch the Browns-Cowboys game. Unbelievable. Both of these games were brilliant. Easily the two best games of the year. I mean, it would have been so easy for me to say the Bucks Super Bowl or, or any of the Bucks victories in the regular season. But I deliberately picked two games. I just thought if someone put them on the TV, I would sit there and I'd just watch them over and over and over again. And I'd never get bored. And those two games, I'd never get bored of watching. For me, it was the Bears comeback against the Falcons in week four after the Cowboys had just done it to the Falcons in the week before. They were trailing bring in Nick Foles comeback. Nick Foles leaves him fourth quarter comeback and then the Falcons fold it second week in a row. It's just It was it was Trubisky, wasn't it? I'm fairly sure Foles came in. Foles started the game, but Let didn't Trubisky or maybe you're right. I thought Trubisky came in uh, week four League are you can you fact check this for me please? You might be right, actually. Maybe it was Foles that came in and he threw the touch. I couldn't remember I, I thought Foles was the Yeah, because yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah, because I, I think they, it was the one that Trubisky got benched and then Foles yeah. came in and won the game. Now, I think you're right. Because um, Trubisky did something similar later on in the season. That's yeah, it, well, it, was, it was pretty much all season, wasn't it? They were in and out and nobody really knew until MVP Mitch turned up. Uh, best touchdown, Murph, came from one of your two games. Yeah, it did. Uh, Jarvis Landry lobbing the ball to OBJ um, for the Browns in that game versus the Cowboys. I mean, listen, it's got everything. It's got a flea flicker, great coverage, great route, great catch. Great touchdown. It's got everything. Jarvis Landry threw a touchdown pass that was better than, well, it, it went further than anything Drew Brees threw all season, which isn't saying much. <laughs> it was certainly prettier than any ball Cam Newton threw all season. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just a great touchdown. I mean, I just loved it. I, listen, I, there's something about wide receivers throwing touchdowns is just great, and I'm just, I'm, I'm all in for it. It's like, it's like the 30 yard screamer in, in. in Premier League football. Like you just like just could watch those all day. Like watch wide receivers all day lobbing lobbing 30, 40, 50 yard passes. Am I correct in thinking Jarvis Landry is also left handed? Uh oh, come on. I... Neither of you know this. Something's in the back of my mind telling me that telling me. I mean, me I know that... he used to be a QB in college. I thought you were gonna say I knew he used to be left handed. <laughs> Maybe he's ambidextrous. I don't know. I don't really pay attention to hands unless they're quarterbacks. Well, it's just when somebody throws it left-handed, it looks peculiar, as we've seen with Tua. So I, for some reason, I've got this feeling that Jarvis Landry is left-handed. I could be completely wrong. Um, you might be right. I don't know. My, uh, my touchdown, best regular season touchdown, I couldn't 
when I got set this and I was thinking about touchdowns, I could. Nia, you, Leah, you nodding because it's correct. Jarvis Landry's left-handed. Yep. Yes. Yeah, very good. Um, I've been thrown off my train. Uh, I couldn't think of a. I couldn't think of one. And the first one that I thought, yeah, that was a good touchdown, was Jerry Judy in Week 17 against the Raiders when he went 92 yards to the house when Drew Lock was given finally given a little bit of time, found found Judy and then we saw finally got to saw what Judy could do with the ball and he took 17 weeks but he was there the Alabama starlet finally to I say finally that's harsh he had a fairly good season but it was just that was the Jerry Judy we drafted and it was nice to see so that was the first one that came to mind and I thought no one's going to put that down because it was week 17 and not many people were watching (laughs) no and then most exciting team to watch in the regular season, Murph. We've both gone for exactly the same podcast favourite, the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen was phenomenal. Stefan Diggs was great. It just D it was, was good. Had everything. The Bills just had everything. All their games were exciting. Mm-hmm. They played great football. It was just a great watch. Like they're easily the best neutral team in the NFL. Yep. Just fun. Fun, fun football. Right. Season-long headlines slash narratives for the regular season. Murph's got a Buccaneer one in there, surprisingly. Well, no, it's well, like I said, it's important. You know, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Tom Brady, how is he going to cope without Belichick? How is Belichick going to cope without Brady? Which, spoiler alert, is going to come to you. Um, <laughs> but in terms of just how he was going to cope, new team, a losing team at that. We're not talking about he went to a great team. He went to a losing team. Uh, all right, I had the nucleus of what was he going to do with all these weapons? Has his arm gone? It's that whole nucleus. Is is Tom Brady really? Tom Brady. Is he really Tom Brady? Is he really the best of all time? Or is he all the system? Spoiler alert, I mean, yes, he is. Yeah, really. <laughs> like anyone that doubts that Tom Brady isn't the best of all time after watching this season probably needs to find a new sport. Um, I mean, incredible what he did. But they also put in here, um, can Kansas City repeat? There's always that. You know, can the Super Bowl team? It's always a narrative. Can the Super Bowl team actually repeat and start a dynasty? And Kansas City have all the nucleus. I mean, they went all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, and you know, is this the start of a dynasty? It could be, but not quite the ending a dynasty would have wanted. Mm. Um, and then the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. Of course, they drafted Jordan Love, which I can't believe I didn't put in the draft segment because <laughs> that's sh- that pick alone. And I, I think about. The segment that Lee sent me not long after that with um, from the Pat McAfee show where they had the Packers fan. <laughs> I'm going to go watch that after because that, that I've watched that 50 times and I go watch that again when they have a Packers fan live on it and he gets absolutely livid. Aaron Rodgers was actually live on that Pat McAfee show earlier on and they oh, let him yeah. go just beforehand. Oh my god, that might be one of the best mistakes ever. Oh, it was great. I mean, listen, that's another one. I'm going to go if you can't. I'm going to tweet that one out so people can go and watch it because it is brilliant. Um, but yeah, the whole now he's drafted, drafted Jordan Love and give him help. How is he going to go on? I mean, spoiler alert, he went on and won the MVP. But those were three brilliant storylines for the season for me. And there were so many more COVID and all that. But those were the pick for me. Yeah, I, the Aaron Rodgers one was. I could have put that and been boring and, and just sucked that one up as well because after drafting Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers was obviously pissed and were we going to see the Aaron Rodgers we all know and love for football and we certainly did through most parts of the season Uh, mine was that you know Brady was gone from New England and it was going to be well was it Brady and Belichick or was Belichick just pulling Brady's strings or was Brady superb and covered up for obviously Belichick is a superb coach but did he elevate 
Belichick's position. He wasn't sure, but then they got their new Superman in Cam Newton and it, everything was going to be all right for a season or two. And as Murph said, spoiler alert, the Brady-led Buccaneers won the Super Bowl and New England were terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was excited to see what Cam Newton would do at a new team. We obviously knew he wasn't the Cam Newton of his MVP season, but... Yeah, that one didn't go well for the New England Patriots. Murph just mentioned the regular season MVP. We both had Aaron Rodgers down, and rightly so, because he was outstanding. I almost put Josh Allen. Yeah, I know you. I I would have when I saw this. I thought you would have put Josh. I Allen. I was really close to putting Josh. I just couldn't do. It. I just thought Aaron Rodgers was a, a little bit better. But I tell you what, I wasn't very far away from putting Josh Allen because I thought Josh Allen was terrific. He was. And we've talked about how much we love Josh Allen on this show. So it, it just his attitude, his desire, everything about that kid. I just love it. I'd love to go and have a beer with Josh Allen. I think of any NFL player, and I'd be starstruck by many. But I think Josh Allen, I just think, would be so much fun to go and have a beer with. And it would it would end up going for a table at some point because the Bills Mafia are strong. So. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely that. I mean, yeah. and listen, at least you know he could probably neck a beer, unlike the reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Shade, shade. Right, Murph, who was your most disappointing regular season team? Had to be the Dallas Cowboys. And I get that a lot of it is Dak's injury, but listen, they, spoiler alert, they went great before Dak went. I mean, they were electric to watch, but their defense was terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I we talked about Dallas Cowboys being a, a Super Bowl contending team at the start of the season. You know, they, they went and got CeeDee Lamb. And then you'd like, well, you've got Dak, you've got CeeDee Lamb, you've got, you've got um, Gallup, you've got Cooper, um, you've got Blake Jarwin, you've got Zeke Elliott. I mean, what an offense. Who's going to keep up with that? And spoiler alert, not many could when Dak was fit, but their defense was giving up 40 points a game. I mean, it was, I don't think I've ever seen a, a defense as bad as the Dallas Cowboys in those first six weeks of the season. I mean, it was dismal. I mean, so bad. It made me think I might get a job as someone <laughs> going to play for the, guys, the Dallas Cowboys D. Um, <laughs> just amazing. By the way, there's some breaking news. Boy, hit me with it. Mike Tomlin has tested positive for COVID-19. Oh. And he's away from the team facility. Yeah, Literally see. just popped up on the phone. He's holidaying. He's holidaying. Yeah. Well, apparently he's near the facility, so he's been sent home or whatever. I don't, I don't have all the details that you just come in, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting to break. So yeah, that was mine. Um, Dallas Cowboys. I just thought, I thought they were going to win the East quite easily. Mm. I didn't think they'd win the Super Bowl, but I thought they'd, they'd win the East and be in the playoffs. And I know Dak's injury has something to do with it, but I don't think, I don't think Andy Dalton was bad. I think that Andy Dalton, with a decent defense, probably would have gotten to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, but Andy Dalton's never been bad. He's been average his entire career. I mean, mine, mine was the Atlanta Falcons. It was much heralded the whole first round offense. You know, eleven, 11 players, first rounders yeah. on offense, and then Todd Gurley. You know, he's left LA. Can he be somewhat the Todd Gurley of old? Matt Ryan, Julio Jones are the pairing that everyone loves. Calvin Ridley now Hayden Hurst is there. They've got a healthy offensive line. Mm. It was just. They were dismal on defense like the Cowboys and the offense never really blew up like it should have done given the talent that they had. And it was just the whole thing was just a massive blur from the Falcons. And now they've got so much cap trouble. It's going to be difficult to repeat this year. Yeah, definitely. So postseason, let's move on. Let's get towards the Super Bowl. Your storyline narratives for the postseason, Murph. I, mine was can Green Bay get over the hump? 
And no. in particular, in brackets, Aaron Rodgers, because, you know, Aaron Rodgers at this time going into this postseason was one and three in NFC title games. They went to the NFC title game last year. Um, they got absolutely mauled. They were the best team in the NFC in the regular season. They were going to have everything go through Lambeau. Like this should have been the year that everything fell in the place for, for Green Bay. You know, you, you had great harmony between the coaching staff and the team. They played very well most games. I think they lost two, three, get three games all season. Um, but were rarely outclassed around that. It was only one game really that they were outclassed in the regular season that was to the Buccaneers in Tampa. But at no point did they really ever feel like they, they seemed so complete. You just, I thought, can they get over the hump? Can they do this? And I felt that was a massive thing for Aaron Rodgers, for the organization to justify the pick of Jordan Love. They had to win. They, well, they had to make the Super Bowl, mm. I think, for me to justify that pick. Because now the question is always going to be, well, what if they drafted a, a wide receiver? Yeah. What, what if, if they drafted Justin Jefferson? We'll never know. Oh, no, you're right. We won't. We won't. Um, mine, as soon as the postseason finished and the Buccaneers got in, my, my storyline and narrative was, can Tom Brady get to the Super Bowl and win it to prove he is the greatest of all time? Because for me, he was before he went to Tampa, you know, and it was the perfect storyline for me for him to go to another team. It was a bonus for me that it was your team, the Buccaneers, and I just wanted him to get to the Super Bowl and win it to put everybody to rest that he is the best quarterback to have ever played the game. And we've seen it now and every match he played to get to the Super Bowl, he had to go through people. All right, Washington, but even that was a test. Washington played well. Then you had to go to the Saints, beat Drew Brees. Then you had to beat Aaron Rodgers. And then you had to beat Patrick Mahomes. It wasn't as if it was a cakewalk. They they got into the playoffs. Once they were there, they were lethal. And, you know, it, that was it for me. It was Tom Brady, is he the greatest of all time? And guess what, fair guys and girls? Yes, he is. And also, just on this, we talked about this when we talked about Drew Brees. And we're going to talk about this when we talk about Aaron Rodgers. Those guys combined have two Super Bowls appearances. And Tom Brady is 10. Mm-hmm. He's 10. 17, he just... I think 17% of his... Uh... He's won 17% of the Super Bowls in the Super Bowl era or something. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And, like, let's just put it this way, that Super Bowl appearance, Super Bowl wins isn't the end-all, be-all. But appearances is a lot. Eli Manning has more Super Bowl appearances than Aaron Rodgers. Eli Manning, 500 for his career. But when the, when the game was on the line, mm-hmm. that boy turned up. I'm not saying it's all Aaron Rodgers. And all, I'm not saying that. I'm not besmirching Aaron Rodgers and the talent and everything but you have to question there is something there there is something there that in the big game in the very very biggest of occasions in the biggest of and Aaron Rodgers wasn't the reason that that they didn't win that football game against the Bucks. it wasn't the reason but he also wasn't the reason they went and won it either yeah like I just think I just think you have to at some point show something in the big games. And, the, you know, the one thing that you can say about Brady and even Mahomes, Mahomes has shown in the big games. He can. It's a big thing on Josh Allen now. The, the big thing for Josh Allen now to go from where he is to having a great career is, can he do it in the big game? Because he didn't do it in the AFC title game. He didn't do it last year in the playoffs when he choked against Texans. Oh, actually, they came back against the Texans. I think they went out the following round. But I think at the end of the day, he's proof of... No, no, they didn't because the Texans, the Chiefs beat the Texans. That's right. You're right. 
Um, so yeah, they had that big lead and, and Josh Allen choked the year before. That's the thing. He's won a playoff game now. Lamar, Lamar Jackson, very much in the same. Yep. He's going to have to prove that he can win big, big football games. The, all these guys are now in this group of players that need to just get a couple over the hump. Just a couple, just get to a cup. I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers has done it, but he needs to, for me, just needs to get to a second. It doesn't even have to win the Super Bowl. He just has to yeah. get to another Super Bowl for me. And, and we said the same thing. You said the same thing about Drew Brees before they crashed out of the championships again this 100%, year. 100%. I just, I just don't... People will say he's, the, he's one of the best of all time. And I just think, no, I think he's a great quarterback. Does he deserve to go in the Hall of Fame? Yes, he does. Best of all time? Is he in the conversation? Absolutely not. And I can't put Aaron Rodgers in that conversation yet. He gets to another Super Bowl, I can do it. But for me, and again, that's not everything. Given ability and everything, it's great. But you've got to have, you've got to produce in the big moments. Again, Big Big Ben. Big Ben's won Super Bowls. Okay, he's not done it for years. But in the big moments, he came up with very, very big plays. Yeah. He drove his team to victory when they needed a touchdown on final drives and things like that. When the chips were down, Big Ben did it. Eli Manning did it. Peyton Manning did it. Eventually, it took a long time, but he got there. Mm. Tom Brady's done it. I guess. I guess Patrick that, Mahomes has done it. Yeah, we, these guys are still, you know, Lamar, Allen, Mahomes to a degree. Very young. Were, yeah, and two. But Rogers isn't. No. Rogers has a couple of years left. He needs to me to be. In the greatest of all time conversation, he needs to win. He needs to win a divisional title, another one. It's one and four in divisional title record isn't isn't enough, especially when you've had a bye a couple of times and you've only had to win one game to get to that title game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> postseason best game of uh, uh, you. We we had the same game, which is the Bucks versus Green Bay. Uh, had everything, didn't it? But I, I went I went sideways because I didn't want to agree with you again. I went with Chiefs Browns just because of the, the Chad Henney magic in in the fourth quarter, just because I thought that was good fun to watch and it it it, it was perfect because Mahomes wasn't there. They had somebody else who could step up and just get them over the line and perhaps the Browns actually deserved to win that one. But yeah, the, the Henny magic in the fourth quarter was 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 what I went with in the best game for the postseason. But Quite quite rightly, you've gone for the NFC Championship game, Bucks Green Bay. Yeah, I uh, listen. I thought it was a great game. I thought they had everything. You had an intriguing matchup, two great quarterbacks. Um, the Buccaneers nearly tossing that game away. Brady throwing three picks. Um, the defense doing it. You just had a bit of everything in there, and that's what the best uh, best part was. Yep. And then finally, last category: postseason MVP. You can go first. You've gone for Buccaneers linebacker Devin White. Yeah, De- Devin White for me. I think you have to give it someone on, on this defense. You, you can shout Sean Murphy bunting uh, with three interceptions in three games. Um, you can talk about Levante David. You can talk about Shaq Barrett. You can talk about there's so many guys you can give it to. But the one guy who consistently turned up every single game through the playoffs and was a massive difference maker. In fact, he missed the game versus Washington. Um, but when he came back for that game against the Saints, he he was in it. Two interceptions. He got an interception in that game. He got an interception in um, and a fumble recovery in that game. He got an interception in the Super Bowl. Devin White was everywhere. And mm. for me, this is where I have a problem with PFF. Does PFF have him as a below average linebacker? Like, I don't understand that. <laughs> I just, yeah, and and I, know, I, I know I'm biased. Like, I know I'm biased. I watch... Devin White with great excitement. I don't understand how he's a below average linebacker. 
I just don't get it. I don't get like statistical analysis, tape watching, whatever it is. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me how he is a below average linebacker in the NFL. I think for me, he's he's easily in the top three linebackers in the NFL. I appreciate people might say he's in the top five or the top 10. I can't see him being outside the top 10. The plays right. he makes, the difference makers, the amount of times he comes, he's always where the football is. Mm-hmm. You watch the amount of times he might not force the fumble, but he might pick up the ball and run with it. Or he might force the fumble, but he might not recover the ball. Uh, yeah, okay, he misses tackles sometimes and he misses in place, but I don't think it's that. Yeah. That many. I, I think he more in positive plays far offsets what he misses. Yeah. I, I think he's done himself name value wise a world of good from his postseason performance. He's been absolutely fantastic. So Absolutely. I I, I you know, you, you think about great linebackers and, and what they do, and I think that him and David together are an unbelievable combination. You know, I heard a thing with Greg Cosell this week that he was saying that when they do draft previews, when he does draft pre- previews, he doesn't cons- he doesn't do linebacker as a draft preview because he's just like, well, it's a position. It's not overly important. Like, it's a position. They make a lot of tackles, but they're, they're not difference makers. And he said, I, I've reevaluated based on the performances of De- Devin White and De- Levante David over what they do. Yeah. But- I think that's massive. I just think, yeah, I just... I, yeah. uh, I wanted to put Tom Brady as my postseason MVP, but I thought I'd be fanboying, fanboying way too hard on Tom Brady for the postseason here. I, so I went with my postseason MVP was the NFL just because we had so many good games in the postseason. It was fantastic. It had absolutely everything. There was good defense, good offense, good storylines outside of the games. I mean, it was, and the fact that it got done on time, the Super Bowl was on Super Bowl Sunday. It was just the NFL for me massively won in respects to a sport in general, garnering new attention. I mean, you've only got to look at the Super Bowl numbers here in Great Britain. It was the most watched Super Bowl, I think, in a long, long time, if not ever. Um, so, yeah, for me, the MVP of the postseason was the NFL. It's just, it was a fantastic end to the superb season that took our mind off of COVID, unfortunately. When, when perhaps we should have thought about other stuff, maybe a little bit. I mean, it's hard when you're this wrapped up in fantasy football and the NFL in general to think about much stuff else, right? No, I, I think that's a very fair shout. And I think that the NFL showed that they're the leading sports industry in the world yep. and sports organization in the world to get the season finished on time with very, very minimal delay. With what they managed to implement and introduce was nothing short of incredible. And they put on an amazing product in the field that, during what has been probably the most difficult year of most people's lives. Yep. That was an escape and a solace that people had every week that made them just forget for one hour, three hours, five hours, seven hours on the Sunday mm-hmm. that this terrible thing was denying everybody their, their freedom, their ability to live their lives. And it brought a bit of normalcy. And I, I sent a message to, Scott Hansen at the end of the season just to say thank you for everything because it was the one constant mm-hmm. you know it was the one constant through the year watching Red Zone and playing fantasy and all those sorts of things and it's just thank, thank you, you NFL Hansen. did a great yeah. job yeah just so did a great job you can slag it off all you want but they did a phenomenal job 
Yeah, it was it was a good year. And I mean, just because the season is over doesn't mean the NFL is or anything regarding that. I mean, we're nonstop over here at Five Yard. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for sticking through this. If it is your first ever podcast, get in contact with us at Five Yard Rush on Twitter. Visit the website for loads of articles, www.fiveyardrush.co.uk. You probably didn't need the www bit there, but hey, I gave it to you anyway. You can still hear me, right, with the cat on the screen. Yeah. Good. I'm going to leave that in the podcast because I always like a cat reference. Um, you know, Murph's out there as well. It's uh, at Murph underscore NFL, right, bud? That's right. Still yeah. doing the FF positives every day. There Been we going go. for a week now or just under a week. People are seeming to enjoy them. So just tune into the thread. You'll get some great advice of some great podcasts or great league mates or... Well, there you Loads go. And, and, you know, if you're hankering another five yard podcast, we've got the Dynasty one on Wednesday. The boys over at Five Yard College have got their one dropping on Wednesday as well. That's at Five Yard College on Twitter if you want to follow them. We suggest you do for top college advice. They've got articles dropping what seems with frightening regularity at the moment because draft season is fully upon us. Um, I, I don't think I've missed anything, Murph. If I have, point me out now or I'm going to pull the string. Just refuse and also to enter the uh, giveaway for the yes. wonderful jersey for Ricky Williams that we're still looking to uh, get people involved. So please do enter that one. Uh, follow the instructions on our pinned tweet at Five Yard Rush. Very simple. Donate two pounds to our Just Giving page and just leave your Twitter handle in it. And that's it. As simple that, as that. Really simple. Two pounds chance to win a signed jersey. We will draw it when we get 30 entries. And all the money goes to Unique, our charity for the year. Right, Murph. As always, big man, this has been a whole lot of fun. Lee, I doff my cap to you behind the glass once again, my friend. Rush Nation, stay safe. Enjoy what you're doing. The end is within sight. But as always, don't forget, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.